Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Can I share a testimony with you really quickly? Here's a quick testimony. Somebody came to the lobby. Somebody, if you're here today, ma'am, I'm telling your story. You said it was okay, so. But I'd love to meet you again. Came to me at the end of last Sunday's worship experience, and uh, she was crying. And, uh, but she was like on the verge of crying. Like, have you ever felt the tears in your eyes, but like you don't let them come out <laughs> until you know you can trust that person? <laughs> so she came to me, and they were welling. And uh, I just said, hey, what's going on? And she started crying. She said, this week, my husband was admitted into rehab. He has an alcoholism problem. It's my first week alone in the house. On my first day alone, I went to the mailbox and I found a mailer inviting me to love, sex, and marriage. When I thought my marriage was on the brink, when I thought my marriage was over. And she said, that's my niece. This is a high baby. <laughs> when I thought my marriage was over, um, and she said, and she said, and I just felt like God was calling me here. She said, I want you to know, I rededicated my life to Jesus today. Here's the best part. I mean, that's the best part. But here's the only cool part. She says, and this is the first time in 16 years I've been to church. 16 years. Here's why I share that story with you, okay? Because it is the perfect segue into the title of today's message. Because, before we show the title, because there was a lot going on with her husband. But instead of looking at her husband's situation, she asked herself, what can I do? And so here, here's the title of today's message. Hopefully it'll resonate. It's not you, it's me. That's right. It's not you, it's me. Which we, we all know what that, 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 that's the universal, like, I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> and, and if you've been around a minute, you know that's actually code. For it's totally you. And if there's anything about me, it's that I can't stand you. And so, but really, it's you. you know? Can anybody remember the first time they heard that, maybe, from somebody? It didn't, it didn't help, did it? I can't remember the first time. Because I've heard it a lot. But I remember, I remember the last time. Because the last time was actually said to me by Liz. When we were dating, it was, or before we were dating, it was the second time I asked her out. Now, you'll hear the whole story at week four. She's going to be up here. We're going to share with you guys everything that's wrong with our marriage, okay? And uh, I just think it's better that way to be vulnerable. And I just think it's easier to be like, oh, these people are jacked up. And they love Jesus? It's possible? <laughs> yes. And so, and we'll share with you some stuff we learned along the way. And you'll also hear our different versions of how we ended up together. Spoiler alert, she's a liar. Um, so the second time I asked her out, because the first time I asked her out, it counts, but it kind of doesn't count because I was serious. But then she said no, and then I pretended like I was joking. You ever been there? We were coming back from SeaWorld. We were celebrating. It was like July 4th-ish. Can't remember. I just remember we were doing the fireworks thing at SeaWorld, and um, that's when it was popular. Uh, and... 
we were coming back, and she was, and I was like, hey, you know, I think I'm ready to take the relationship to the next level. We had already been talking six months, and we hadn't even held hands. I was like, girl, <laughs> your boy got some needs, okay? <laughs> I mean, a kiss would help. We hadn't even held hands. So, so close to six months after, I said, I said uh, hey, I think we ought to take this relationship to the next level. She said, no, I'm not ready. I'm like, hell me neither. Not <laughs> <laughs> really joking. I know, right? Like, it's way too soon, way too soon. Yeah, yeah. It's way too soon. It's a fake, it was a fake out. It wasn't an ask out, it was a fake out. Come on, that's good. Anyway, anyway, the second time I asked her out, I was serious. That was like two weeks later. And I was like, I was like, no, for real, for real. I'm ready to take this relationship to the next level. And she said, no, I'm, I'm not. And then she said these words. She said, and it's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's me. And, and, and it's really cool because what she was saying was, it wasn't cool at the moment. I felt like I didn't know if we would make it. I don't know if we'd go out. But what she was saying was, um, I've got some things inside of me. There's some signs I'm just waiting. I'm still waiting for some confirmation from the Lord. I still got some trust issues that I've got to work out. She told me straight up, she goes, and, and, and I'm just not I'm, not, I'm not ready. I'm not whole yet. I, I, I'm just, it's not you. It's, it's me. And about three weeks after she went on a fast, she started pursuing the Lord. And, uh, and three weeks after that, we ended up at the beach uh, together. Um, and when I, she said, can you get something from the car? And I went to go get something from the car. And when I came back to where our blanket was laid out, um, there was a big old sign written in the sand. It was huge. And it said, will you go out with me, question mark. And then they had one box that said yes. And then they had another box that said no. And she was just looking at me. <laughs> so I took the stick. And I drew in the third box. And I said, I'll pray about it. <laughs> See you in three weeks, sucker. That's a lie. I checked, yes, so the tide was coming in. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Pictures of it have photo evidence. I share that with you because I just think it's ironic that, that the, the, the phrase that's used to break relationships up was actually the phrase that God used to bring our relationship together. This phrase has the power. See, if, if used sarcastically and not real, this phrase, it's not you, it's me, it can be used to cover up and, and soften the blow of a bad breakup. But if used honestly, if used thoughtfully, if when you actually said it, you actually took the time to retrospect on yourself, to, to look and judge the status of your soul and of your mind, God can actually use this phrase to uncover and bind up the brokenness of your heart. If you let him, if you let him. And now i got to be really clear. I'm not talking about blame today. As a matter of fact, I would go as far as to say that blame is the antagonist of today's message. It is actually what God wants to bring an end to. Because blame is, believe it or not, the template for all relationship drama. It really is. Do you remember the first fight ever in the Bible, like between a husband and a wife? All about blame. Eve eats a fruit, gives Adam a fruit. God finds out. God says, what happened? And the first thing Adam says was, blame. He goes, he goes, look how he blames too. He goes, well, the woman you put here. <laughs> says, the woman you put here, she gave it to me, and I ate some. <laughs> then it goes to the woman. 
And the woman says, well, you know, the snake you put here, it was the snake. He, he gave it to me. And I ate some. And it's funny because the details and the idiosyncrasies have changed, but the, but the template stays the same, except now we're not arguing about who's to blame for eating the fruit. Now we're arguing about who's to blame for being late to church. Come on, somebody. And it's so crazy because we're arguing about different things. But, but when we get into drama, when we get into problem, the go-to is still the same, to blame either God, another person, or the devil. Right? It's God's fault I'm single. He just hasn't made somebody worthy of me yet. It's, 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 it's your fault this ended. You got, you, got, you got mad issues. You know what? No, no, it's the devil's fault. Amen. Bind the devil in the name of Jesus. It's his fault. He made me watch that television show. He made me. It's his, it's his fault. And I love God. God says, I'm not having it. I'm sorry. God runs past all, those, all the blame and all the excuses. And he goes, listen, I need you to own this, not because I want to fault you, but because I want to free you. And you can't be free from something else that you think is not your fault. You got to first accept fault. Listen, before you can find freedom. So it's not even about fault. Listen, I'm not here to blame. I'm not saying you're the reason. I'm just saying if you want to really be free, you got to look inside yourself first. Okay? Because, listen, uh, uh, the other day Liz went to my in-law's house to drop off Justice and, for the week because we were out in Alabama. And she brought blue because Justice begged her to bring blue. Well, the problem with bringing blue is that we have a rabbit, pet, who is technically a part of our family, but, like, I don't pay his bills. His name is Coco. Now, whenever Blue comes, Coco's away in the cage because Boston Terriers are literally bred to hunt rabbits. And so, you know, I thought it was bad to begin with, but, you know, grandparents give the kids anything they want. So they, I'm just some therapy here, guys. And so <laughs> Blue runs in the house, usually Coco's in the cage. Today, Coco was not in the cage. She was in the backyard. So, so Justice opens the door. Blue books it. Runs after Coco. Bites Coco in the hind leg. There's blood everywhere. This is a real story. Coco makes it, by the way. I just... <laughs> I could feel the tension building up. You guys are... It's not about Coco. It's about your problems. Um, anyway, so and, so, and so, and then Justice. <laughs> it's like a scene from a movie. Justice is hovering over the, the body of Coco. He's just like. And then he looks back at my wife. And he goes, it's your fault. You did this. You killed Coco! And my wife is like, you wanted me to bring blue! It's not my fault. You are the one who opened the door. See, if justice had not owned what he did, the next time the opportunity came, he would have left the door open again. Some of you, if you don't finally own it and start to look inside, you're going to leave the door open to argument after argument. You're going to leave the door open to brokenness after brokenness, breakup after breakup, divorce after divorce, friend who left you after friend who left you, because you keep the door open and you're recycling and not in the way that saves the earth. 
You're recycling your relationship. That's why it's been three men and each one broke up in the same way as the last two. That's why, listen, you could be married for 20 years and get into an argument and swear to yourself you had that same argument five years ago. And I thought we resolved it. But what happened? You left the door open. And now you're recycling. That's why you can have a friend in your life who the moment you open up, they get scared and they leave. And you go, man, why does that always happen to me with all of my friendships? Because you're recycling. And what God wants to do today is he wants to break the cycle. He wants to set you free. But in order to be set free, you got to look at me. It's not you. It's me. And I'm not saying it's your fault, but I'm saying that restoration begins with introspection. You have to first look at yourself. Here's how I wrote it, and maybe this will bless you. When you choose blame, you choose to stay the same. You can either blame or be different. What do you choose? Because you can't do both. Now listen, we've all got issues. Somebody say amen. 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 Some of us got subscriptions. Come on, somebody. My issues, other people put them, get it? Anyway. In fact, I would just say that one of the best questions to start with, like when you meet somebody, is like, what do you do for a living? Start there. You know, where'd you grow up? And then the third question ought to be, so, what kind of crazy are you? <laughs> I just think it would save us all a lot of time. Because how many people know we're all a little bit crazy? I just need to know, are you, are you, are you keep my car crazy? Are you go through my text messages crazy? Are you, are you, hey, you cut me off and I'm going to curse you out crazy? I just need to know. Because to be honest, I'm a little crazy too. But not all crazies are compatible. And so I just want to see the kind of crazy I'm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just got to be, be honest with it. This is, so if we're all crazy, right, what's the solution? Here's the solution that I've discovered. I feel like the people who are in the healthy relationships, the people who really enjoy the relationships they're in, listen, they don't spend any time trying to fix their issues. They spend the time trying to fix their issues. That's a good chance to give God praise or say ouch or amen or something. They take time to fix their issues, not their issues. I'm trying to empower you because you feel stuck and you feel like there's nothing you can do because that person and that person and that person and that person. What about the person in the mirror? There's something we can do with that person. Something we can do. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 says this, do not judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter? How can you say to your wife, let me take the splinter? How can you say to your mom, let me take the splinter? How can you say to your child, let me take the splinter out of your eye, when look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Now, I have had trouble understanding this passage of Scripture until I realized Jesus was a carpenter. 
And then I looked up the original Greek meaning of the word beam. And it turns out that the word beam is actually translated into joist. Now, I knew a little something about joist because while I am not a carpenter and not handy by any stretch of the imagination, my father's a contractor. And once in a while, he would take me on trips with him to work. And I've worked on ceilings with him before. I've worked on those beams. I've worked on those joists, the same Greek word that God uses, God uses in the scripture. And, and, and when we would do it, he would oftentimes have some plastic glasses. Have you ever seen those glasses that you put over? Because when you're working on the ceiling, it's easy for dust to fall into your eye. And I thought, whoa, what if God is using this story as an example of what happens when two people are working on one thing, on the ceiling? And so, and so he had a beam. And so Patrick and Jenny, would you help me really quickly? Maybe this will help with the, with the, with the metaphor, maybe help you get it a little bit. He said there was a beam. <laughs> Y'all, a beam. Okay? So we be careful. So here we got Patrick and Jenny. Hold this beam up. Okay, you guys are working on it. So hold it high right there. You're working on it. All right, now I just need to give a disclaimer. Patrick and Jenny do not have marriage problems. I just want to get that out there. They're doing A-okay. But for this illustration, they're jacked up. Okay? Because we gotta, just got to serve a purpose here. All right? So here's what they're doing. All right, you're going to be uh, ham- sawing. And you be hammering. We're going to work on this. Okay, go ahead. Work on it. Work on it. Okay, because the beam represents the house that you're building together. Or in other words, listen, the beam. Good and good. Doing good. He's dancing. All right. You're distracting me, Patrick. You're distracting the people. Uh, The beam represents the relationship that you two have come together to work on. Now, what are they doing right here? Say working. What are they doing? What are they doing? I think the first point Jesus wanted to make was that relationships take work. We don't want that. We, we, want, we want, like, strolls on the beach and Valentine's chocolate hearts and relationships take work. And as soon as I said that, somebody here said, that's why I don't want them. Funny, because I don't hear you say the same thing about your job. Maybe it's because... You look at a job as something you put into, and that's why you get out of, and you look at the person you're with as someone who's supposed to give out to you without you putting. I don't know, maybe. I just. Maybe relationships only work if two people. Maybe they only work if two people are working on it together. Now, as they're working on it, because this is what happens, as they're working on it, a splinter falls in Patrick's eye. Patrick, splinter got in your eye. Now, look what he does when the splinter goes on his eye. He's hurt, okay? Now, here's the thing. The splinter's a little thing, you know what I'm saying? It's little, it's a splinter. And, and sometimes it's the little things that cause the biggest problems. Like, like, and I'm not talking about, like, chewing with your mouth open, you know, although, <laughs> close your mouth. Um, it could be something like he doesn't help out around the house enough. Maybe he don't throw out the trash enough. Maybe he doesn't clean the car. Sorry, baby. Maybe, that's my thing. Maybe he doesn't listen enough. And listen, the husband, I'm going to talk to the husbands for a second. Husbands, you guys are so upset because you're like, I don't understand. It's a little thing. Why is she making such a big deal? Because your little problem has her holding up the weight of the relationship by herself. And so it's little to you. But it makes her feel like she's the one holding it all together. Now, 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 I'm gonna, I could, but my, ladies, I'm not going to let you off the hook, okay? Because it's real easy. But you know what? It could just as easily be Jenny who got the splinter. Bam. Splinter. 
maybe Patrick's love language is physical touch. And, and, and Jenny's upset because, but Patrick's upset because he's like, Jenny, you haven't kissed me in two weeks. And Jenny's like, well, it's just a little kiss. What's the big deal? Yeah, but that little kiss makes me feel like I'm holding the burden of romance all by myself. It's little, but it's creating a big problem. Or sometimes it's a big problem. We're going to go back to you because we're going to help the ladies out today. Okay? Finter. Bam. Okay. Maybe it's a big thing like alcohol or workahol or anger or jealousy or pornography. And now she's feeling like she's the only one keeping this relationship together because I'm the one always having to drag him to church. I'm the one always having to fix the mess. I'm the one always to say sorry. And it, and it hurts, and it hurts. Here's the, here's the thing. You've got to avoid the temptation. You could rest it a little bit. Yeah, just, this is the second time she's done this illustration. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. You've got to avoid the temptation to do what? To fix them. Don't misinterpret this situation. She's holding up the beam, right? She's holding up the beam because he has a problem, right? If you're not careful, you can interpret his problem as your problem. But his problem has, is not your problem. His problem has created a problem for you. But his problem still his problem. Now you got your own problems. And the problem with thinking that his problem is your problem is that you got your own problem. And so if you try and fix his problem while you still got problems, go ahead, try it. It gets hard. The weight gets heavy. I'm talking to anybody who can say amen to you tried to fix that person and it just got worse. You tried to help them and it just got worse. You tried to change them. You tried to get the splinter out of your eye because their problem was caused by their problem, but your problem is not their problem. They're two different problems. And here's what Jesus says. He says, you need to forget about their problem because they're the only one who can work on that. Let's work on your problem. This is what I love. Can you stand there just a little bit longer? Okay. <laughs> this is what I love. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It's on the screen. And to keep me from being puffed up and, and too much elated by the exceeding greatness of the, these revelations, there was given me a thorn. Look what the Amplified Bible says. A splinter, a splinter in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Now, whatever you do, don't go home and call your mate a messenger of Satan. <laughs> Teenagers, don't call your parents a messenger of Satan. <laughs> parents, don't call your kids <laughs> messengers of Satan. That's not the point. The point is that you have two options when you're stuck holding the beam. You can let his problem embitter you or you can let your problem empower you. Because look how Paul treats it. He says this. Listen, next verse. Three times I called upon the Lord and besought him about this and begged that it might depart from me. Three times. You know Paul never prayed more um, than two times for anything in the Bible? He prayed one time and it happened. There was another situation where he, he had to pray twice and it happened. But you'll never see Paul pray three times for anything and it not happen except right here. There's only one or two options. Either his relationship with God had changed or he wasn't praying the right prayer. He was praying, God, get the thorn out. While God was saying, that's a good prayer, but let's add on to that. While that thorn is there, let it build me up. 
Pray for the thorn. Amen. God, take away. But at the same time, say, but Lord, if there be any sin in me, if there be any weakness in me, if there be any doubt in me, if there be any problem in me, reveal it to me, God, so this can make me stronger. And listen, and let me just tell you what, you know, that gets tiring. You guys can play. That gets tiring after a long time. Have you ever been there in that relationship? And let me just say right now, if you're in an abusive relationship, if you're in a relationship where there's adultery, don't hear me say that you need to stay committed to that no matter what. If that person is threatening your life, you need to go run for help, call the police, call Kiki and them, somebody, call somebody. <laughs> I'm serious. And you might have to, listen, it might be time to put the relationship down. For some people, it, it might be time. You just might have to let that relationship go. All right? But before you do, let me just... Can I, can I say it? I, one more time. Just hang on a little bit longer. But, I, but I'm tired. I'm, I'm sick of being the always one, one praying. I'm sick of being the always one fasting. I'm sick of always one reading all these marriage books. He hasn't read one book. I read 10 books. He hasn't read one book. Always going to these marriage conferences by myself. Always listening to Joyce Myers by myself. Always coming to church by myself. Always being the one that says, and it gets lonely. It gets lonely. Listen, when it gets lonely, there's somebody. Show them the verse, 2 Corinthians again. The next version of it. My grace is enough for you. Show them that one with that one highlighted. My grace is enough. This is Jesus saying, hey, I know it hurts, and I know you got your splinter, but hey, I got you. And look what he said. Hold on. He said, and I had to allow the splinter because you were becoming too dependent on this relationship and now that he's out the picture now that you finally shifted your mind from starting to work on him get this this will minister to you now we Jesus and Jenny now we can begin to work on our relationship I had to let the splinter come because you were slipping you were loving him more than you were loving me so so now, now let's work on this together see and he steps in the gap. And you know what he says? Don't worry. If he don't work with you, I'll work with you. If he don't love you, I'll love you. If he won't forgive you, i forgive you. If he won't hold you, I'll hold you. If he don't believe in you, I'll believe in you. If she don't trust you, I'll trust you. If she don't want you, oh, my God, do I want you. I died on a cross because I want you. I got you. I got you. I got you. And you say, but I'm tired, but I'm tired. Okay, if you're tired, Jenny, are you holding this? Yes. But are you really holding it? No. You know why? He said, my strength and power are made perfect and show themselves most effective. Ooh, when you get tired, I've been waiting, I've been waiting all message to share this with you. When you get tired, God says, don't worry, hold on, I'm tired, I'm gonna give up, it's okay. It's not you. It's me. It's not your power. It's my power. It's not your strength. It's my strength. It's not your ability. It's my ability. It's not your life. It's my life. It's not your hope. It's my hope. It's not you. It's me. It's not you. It's me. It's not you. It's me. And me. And look what he says. Look what he says. He says, girl, 
He says, God, he says, give me the beam. I got experience. I got experience carrying beams. I've been carrying beams for 2,000 years. I've been carrying shame. I've been carrying hurt. I've been carrying brokenness. Put it on me. I'm good. I'm good. I'll take it. Boy, I've been carrying beams before you were I made my name carrying beams. There's a book about me. Read it. I love carrying beams. So put it on me. Your singleness, teenager, put it on me. I'm good at this. Your divorce, put it on me. I'm good at this. Marriage falling apart, put it on me. Can't get along with your parents. You haven't spoken to them in years. Put it on me. Don't worry. It's not you. I'll carry it. And so here's what happens. Sometimes, not all the time. But sometimes. So Jenny says, all right, well, then I'm going to stop working on my relationship with him. He says, I'm going to stop working on my relationship with her, and I'm going to just work on my relationship with you. That's a word for somebody. They won't work with me. You don't need them right now. He'll work with you. So you start working with your relationship with God. Here's what he'll do. He's got that splinter. He looks over and says, my God, after all I put you through, how have you not collapsed yet? How have you not broken yet? How have you not thrown in the towel yet? And then she says to him, it's not you, and it's not you, it's him. And then he works, takes the spin out of his own eyes and says, well, in that case, I'll start working on my relationship with Jesus too. Here's what happened. The relationship is now reconciled when each partner stopped trying to work on the other and both started working on their relationship with Jesus. Oh, and by the way, you remember how Jesus died on the cross? Who was to his left? And who was to his right? Two thieves. I believe that Jesus placed himself in the middle of two thieves as an illustrated sermon where he says when there are two people who are broken and, and helpless and, are, and, and, are, and, are, and got issues, if you put me in the middle, if you put me in the middle of two broken people, I can save them. I can restore them. I can reconcile. I can rebuild. I can heal them. If you put me in the middle... If you put me in the middle. I can heal that hurt if you put me in the middle. Sorry, I'm all mess. Because he did it in my life. And I've seen him do it in others. So if there's somebody here today 
who needs to put Jesus in the middle. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's somebody here today who needs to put Jesus in the middle. When I say three, I want you to raise your right hand. That's a signal to God. Come in the middle. I need you. I don't have a relationship with you, Jesus. I've been too busy trying to fix that other person, and I have no idea that our relationship was slipping. I want to get my relationship right with you, right here, right now, all over this building. If that's you, one, raise your right hand to the signal. It's the sky. It's a symbol. I need you. If that's you, one, two, three, right now, all over this church. If that's you, you need Jesus in your heart, raise your hand. Hey, come on. I see your hand. I see it. 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 Oh, my God. More hands than I can count. Everybody pray this prayer. Worship team, pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer with me. Father God, I'm going to stop trying to fix them, and I'm going to start working with you. Come in the middle, Jesus. I give you my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com, where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.